Cool. So I've known Warren a decent amount of time. Uh, Warren's son and myself, we were good friends when we grew up. And uh, I just want to commend Warren to you. He's a man of faith um, and there's a testedness to his faith and to his relationship with God. And uh, he's really got something profound for us this morning. And I really want our hearts to be open for God to speak. So can I pray for you? Father God, we thank you, King, that your word is enduring. Father, we thank you that we come not to kind of just hear uh, wise words or some lecture, King, but we, we come to sit under the preaching of your word. And I pray that your spirit would fill Warren. I pray that he would feel courage and boldness to share the convictions that you put on his heart, Father God. I pray that as we come to one of these powerful texts where we see some of your hearts, I pray that you would be present as our Father, present here this morning, King. So speak to us in, in mighty ways, Father, and we pray for those who, who you have um, in their, sitting in their seats and you're wanting to speak to them specifically. I pray that you would give them the courage to respond. In your name, amen. amen. Good morning, one of so we're all back from Easter and the chocolate indulgence is over. No more Easter eggs in our fridge, I know that for sure. And I don't know why. Why would there not be Easter eggs in my fridge? <laughs> so congrats to Peter, Petey and Sarah, finally husband and wife, Mr. and Mrs. Strauss. And that's why there's a lesser, younger crowd here. So either you don't know them that well or you're old. So you can decide. <laughs> So today I'm going to look at a very preached parable in the Gospels, namely the prodigal son out of Luke 15. And instead of talking about the younger son, which we tend to do more often, we're going to look at the older son. So actually what I'm doing today is I'm preaching to a 20, 25, 30-year-old Warren. So I'm preaching to me. Uh, if you identify with that, well, so be it. So, why do you think Jesus spoke in parables? Anybody want to answer me? Don't worry. Let's look at, see what Matthew says in chapter 13. The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak in parables? He replied, Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. Who do you think Jesus was referring to here? In the story, he's referring to the Pharisees, the religious people. But he's actually talking about people who don't listen to him or don't want to hear. So parables are Jesus' way of wanting us to really listen to him. Matthew 7 says, Ask and keep on asking, and it will be given to you. Seek and keep on seeking, and you'll find. Knock and keep on knocking, and the door will be opened to you. But this is not seeking and asking for what you want. It's rather seeking his kingdom first. God also gives us the desires of our heart, but that is a preach for another day. You can read that in Jeremiah. So uh, there's a, a British pastor by the name of Sam Gibb who coined this phrase. Hearing is scientific, but listening is relationship. So scientific meaning in these inside of you, inside of mine, it's more hollow than anything else, but sound waves go in here, frequencies happen, tells your brain, it interprets what you're hearing, that's scientific. We can all hear, but listening is relationship. 
So before I read the parable, let me quote David from Psalm 18:30. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is flawless. You know, I'm not a, a miner. I worked on the mines, but a diamond is made from carbon that has been subjected to immense temperature, immense heat, immense pressure, and out comes this diamond. God is perfect, and his word is flawless. Flawless. I'm not flawless. Ask Karen over there. And neither is my preaching, but I do pray that God's word will reach your heart. So let's read from Luke 15, and I'm going to read the NIV translation for this morning. Verse 11, Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. We often find this comparison in the Bible between two. Two sons, two kingdoms. Think of the northern kingdom of Israel, the southern kingdom of Judah, Cain and Abel, Jacob and Esau, Joseph and his brothers, Saul and David. Verse 12, The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. And you can imagine in those days, in the Jewish culture, to do something like this was unheard of. The younger one said to his father, oh, sorry, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, isn't it amazing that we usually come to our senses when we're in a pigsty? It happened to me. He said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death? I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. So he had regret of what he had done. He acknowledged what he had done. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and he kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. So now he had repentance. And, and it must have been the compassion of the father because his remorse was real. So thanks to the compassion of the father that the son was, it was easier for him to come and repent. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. So immediately, when the father put that ring on his finger, he immediately made him a legitimate son again, worthy of an inheritance. Like the, the, the sinner on the cross of Luke 13. Three crosses, the one on the left. What happened to him? In the last second of his life, Jesus said, you would be in with, with me in paradise. Verse 23, bring the fattened calf. Now that was the first choice meal for a very, very special occasion. And kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. 
For this son of mine was lost and was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, What was going on? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in, so his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, just like that, a drop of a hat, disrespect. Amazing, eh? All these years I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, notice he doesn't say my brother, because he's disowned his brother. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf. Verse 31. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. This is going to be the most important verse in this um, parable. My son. And when I say my son, or I talk about a brother, I'm talking about my son, my daughter, talking about men and women, you and I. Verse 32. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours, notice he puts, it's not the other guy, it's your brother. Because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So this celebration that the Father wants to have, you'll find in Revelations 19, verse 6 to 9, where it talks about the wedding supper of the Lamb. We are going to have a wedding supper with the Lamb. So in this story, we have a father, most likely a cattle farmer. We have an older brother who worked and probably managed the farm. We have a younger brother who was probably more of a drifter and wanted to explore. We had so-called friends, some prostitutes. We had a citizen employer. We had servants and we had God. We know we had God because the son acknowledged God. So traditionally, we follow the story of the younger son that wandered off with his inheritance and wasted it on wild living. I know all about that. He regretted, he repented, and he returned home to a loving father. And we also know that the older brother was angry and jealous. Which of these two brothers do you most identify with? And why? Some time ago I preached and I shared some of my testimony when I was growing up without a dad and how I felt like that long, the younger lost son. But years later I actually realized I was actually very much both the younger and the older son. As I stand here today, I'm privileged to say I, I have um, the privilege of being a father to three grown-up children, and so I know what it's like to be a father. I am a father now. I'm no longer that lost son, or the older son, I hope, mostly. Here are some other scriptures that refer to the older brother syndrome. John 21, verse 20. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, If I want him to remain alive until I return, 
What is that to you? You must follow me. We know that Jesus is actually referring to Peter's death, that he was going to too, he was going to be martyred and die on a cross just like him. I think it is Peter that said, no, he doesn't want to die like Jesus, so he was upside down. Is that right? So that, uh, what about Matthew 20? For the kingdom of heaven is like a landover, landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into the vineyard. So a denarius was equivalent to a day's wage. And the story goes on about five groups of people. The first person, or the, the first crowd was probably um, hired at six o'clock in the morning and they were told you're going to get a denarius for a day's wage. And then he, three hours later, went and found some more people and asked them, hey, what's going on? Why, why are you guys standing around? He said, no, we don't have work. Well, come work in my vineyard. Then he went back at noon, same story. More people, more people who didn't have work. He said, come and work for me. And then even later in the afternoon, almost two hours before the end of the workday, he called another group, and they also too came to work for him, for a denarius. And the story goes further to when it came to payday, um, the landowner said to his foreman, please go and pay the people, start with the ones that started last. And he gave them a denarius. Now you can imagine the scene, this guy standing in a row, and the guy that started working early in the morning, thinking, ah, oh, he got a denarius. Ah, ten coming my way. And of course, he got a denarius as well. And what did he do? He grumbled. How can you give that guy a denarius? I worked all day. And the landowner said to him, who do you think you are? This is first of all my money, and I can be generous with what I want to be generous with. Older brother syndrome. I did a similar test actually with Ryan and Dale. <laughs> to teach them the value of 50 rand. So this is a genuine story. In our yard, which was huge, I had 100 bricks at the back there that I thought, well, what can I do with those bricks? Okay, Ryan and Dale, to know the value of 50 rand, I want you to move those bricks to there. And of course, off they went, Dale, Ryan, pew, pew, up and down, and of course Ryan packed 90 of the 100 bricks that were there and received the same reward as Dale, and of course the words ringing in my ear, it's unfair, Dad, it's unfair. Probably Zachary and Josh as well. So going back to the prodigal son parable, the choices. The story's three main characters are the father, the older son, and the younger son. All three had free choice. The father decided to accept both of his son's decisions. The way they were acting, the attitude, whatever they were deciding, he accepted it. The younger son chose sin, chose to go on a, a jaw in Stellenbosch. Where do you go in Stellenbosch? I don't know. I used to go in Hilbra. <laughs> you don't want to know. But then he returned to his father. And the eldest son chose to rebel against his father. And of course, the story ends there, but hopefully we trust that he also came to his senses and he went and repented to his father. So what would you choose? Last week we celebrated Easter, and we know from Isaiah 53 that Jesus was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. Those stripes weren't little stripy, nice little stripies. Those stripes were, were cut into his body so that flesh and bone showed. In other words, he, Jesus, was our substitute 
my substitute on the cross. Because my sin and your sin is punishable, but Jesus stood in the gap for me. Jesus stood in the gap for you. He was the propitiation. It's a big word that I could never say before. I just said it. Well done. Or, that, or an atoning sacrifice. You can read it in Romans 3, 1 John 2. I don't know if those scriptures are coming up, but anyway. One, Romans 3, 25, 1 John 2, 1 John 4, in case you're taking notes. That God was presented, presented Jesus as a sacrifice of atonement. There were three crosses at Golgotha. One of an unrepentant sinner, one of a repentant sinner, and one of Jesus, the innocent man. Did the oldest son in the story that we just read, did he stay in the cap for his younger brother? No. <laughs> he was too full of pride. He definitely did not stay in the cap. He was definitely not his brother's keeper, which we read in Genesis 4.9. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? Romans 14, accept him whose faith is weak. Jude verse 22, be merciful to those who doubt. Snatch others from the fire and save them. So I ask you again, are you your brother's keeper? Am I my brother's keeper? The father chose to bear the expense of accepting his son back and thereby losing a third of his, of his wealth. It's the picture of God and us. God lost his son to a death on the cross. The younger son, he first chose separation, wild living, humility, then he chose humility, finally repentance, and confessing and turning back. He first chose that wide road. You know the Bible talks about a wide path and a wide gate and many will travel on it. And narrow is the path and narrow is the gate that leads to heaven. That narrow path is the path that you and I need to be on. And unfortunately, too many people are traveling on the wider path. The older son chose to rebel against his father and his brother also because yeah, he just had so much pride. He had everything he needed. Right where he was, he had everything he needed, but he chose to rebel. Remember the story, I don't know if any of you were at Cedars last week, but Adrian told the story about a, a Spanish father that posted an ad in the newspaper and he said, um, son reconciliation with father, or dear Paco, so his name was Paco, I think it's P-A-C-O, um, father-son reconciliation at noon in Barcelona Square. Of course the father went to Barcelona Square, this is apparently a two-story, and in a, at noon, there was 800 puckers, 800 older sons probably. We're all on a journey, and eventually the journey ends on this earth. And believe me, it comes quick. <laughs> Don't think that because you're 25 or 30, some of you are probably younger than 25, that you have plenty of time. You never know when your departure time is. Before you know it, you're 60. True story. <laughs> so, choose that narrow path. 
Maybe some of you are like the younger son. Maybe you'd left the security of your father's love, your heavenly father, for whatever reason. There's always a reason why these things happen. There are also many young men and women, maybe many of you here, that have left home, your earthly home, prematurely, because of an abusive father or an abusive mother or a sibling that you don't get on with or just a lack of love and trust and fun and whatever and you've left your earthly home for whatever reason or you've left just for the pleasures of this world and gone on your own wayward way and as a result you have struggled to know the love of your heavenly father like in the parable or perhaps you're the older son and you have all you need but you feel that you must earn your favor you must earn the favor of your father I hope and I pray that either way you get to know the unconditional love of your heavenly father you and I we have a choice what is your choice Romans 10 verse 9 says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Remember the story of the thief on the cross? It was the last minute of his day. The last minute of his day that he acknowledged who Jesus was because he was hearing from the soldiers, from everybody, the insults and also the, the tears of the people that knew him. He knew who he was. He acknowledged this is Jesus, the Messiah. And in that last moment of his life, he decided to believe. And he asked Jesus, please remember me when you go to heaven. And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. Do we understand the grace and the mercy of that kind of God that would do that? And of course, the other sinner was mocking Jesus, obviously, and he would have been that older brother. So, in other words, if you are not, if it is not, if you are the so-called better son doing all your estate chores, it's not about that. It's not about what you do. It's about your heart. And it's about the confession of your faith. You can read more about your heart and your faith and your word in Romans 10, verse 8 to 17. I didn't think it would get this uh, go so quickly. I have a blank page here, and I told, early, I told the guys earlier on in the, in the prayer meeting. It was quite strange because this is the sixth or fifth a set of notes that I printed out after making changes after changes and correcting my language and correcting the spelling and this blank page kept on coming out and I was like what the heck's going on here I mean I said print there and now this print this came through and I do believe that there are people here one two three I don't know you know that God is touching your heart he's, he's highlighting something to you He's calling you back. He wants you to respond. He loves you. The prodigal son's story is a beautiful story of the love of the father 
For those of you that are fathers, it is a massive privilege to be able to show love to your children because they are going to learn that love and relate to our Heavenly Father.